Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good morning, everyone. My name is Nathan Brantley. I am one of the pastors here at The Rock. For those of you that don't know me, uh, that was my dad that you just saw on the screen. My mom is on the front row. My family uh, is on the front row, too. You know, sometimes we do these introductions when you speak every six months because there's people here that don't know who you are. So um, my wife and my three kids are in the front row. And, um, and so it's good to be with you guys. The clean. No one has heard buckets of keys moving through a church service before, you know, okay, so this is a, this is a, a first time for us. You know, you're, you're experiencing a first time moment here at the Rock of Gainesville, okay? So everyone has a key. And uh, today I'm going to be talking about key cutting forgiveness. And I realized late last night that I used a hyphen exactly the opposite way that I intended. So you're going to actually have to forgive me as it says key cutting forgiveness. And I don't mean that forgiveness is doing the key cutting. I mean that we are key cutting forgiveness as in the key is forgiveness. So, um, so I actually just wanted to throw that out there for you English majors that would come to me at the end of the service, <laughs> not to talk about the theology of what I talked about, but to help me understand when you use a hyphen and when you don't. Um, so uh, I'm going to make a really bold statement this morning. Uh, and, and there's going to be some there's going to be some deep parts and some funny parts. You okay? We're going to have both because we have children in the room, and it's important that they have a good time too. Okay? So, um, but I want to make this statement that is really bold, and uh, and I want to frame it that I believe that it is, in a sense, the greatest cover-up of all time. Like since Jesus is here, this thing is the greatest cover-up of all time. And that is this, that a Christian without forgiveness is a Christian without agency. So I want you to take your key and I want you to hold it as if you were going to unlock a door with it, okay? So we're all doing this together. Um, and, And I want you to look at this key and then I want you to repeat these words with me. This key represents a person only I can forgive. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. I'm going to take this key and shove it right back in that bucket when I see it later. Uh, I get it. I get it. Um, It is a serious topic that was the reason that Jesus came. Um, As I begin to think about this word forgiveness starting in November, uh, I realized that this word forgiveness, it was a part of my life, in a sense, a part of my faith, but I didn't realize the theme that this word really existed in throughout the New Testament. I didn't, I didn't realize like the way that it just kept coming up over and over throughout the four gospels. 
that the words of Jesus, you know, that they taught the importance of the word in a way that I had probably immensely undervalued it. There is a monster that we all have, and forgiveness is the furthest thing in our minds in relation to that monster. I have no idea what's about to happen right now. So I'm just going to set up a little bit more. So <laughs> there's this part of the Bible, and, and in the New Testament, it is presented to us in two forms. There is the personal level of forgiveness that you walk in in relations to people, into a person, a person a part of your core, a person involved with you. And then there is, there is a much further forgiveness scenario that the church at large is supposed to operate in. So I want to talk about those two things. And I believe that the first time, the first thing you have to get into is the personal part of forgiveness that you operate in as a Christian, as a believer, or that you're redeemed in, and that you can finally ask questions, how do I forgive this person? Because that's what it comes down to. If you can get yourself to the point where you're asking, how do I forgive this person? You're already winning a battle. So I know there's a monster behind this door. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. So part of, part of me wants to throw it back, right, and say, like, I hate you. You're everything I've hated in my life. I hate you. I want to have nothing to do with that monster. I will, ne I will never forgive that person for what they did to me. They're a monster. Everyone around me sees that. And then when I go to the New Testament and I look at what it says, it says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch that you don't get tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law. And I think, okay, I'm going to try this again. I need to forgive him but he's a monster. Oh, I cannot do this. Nope, I can't. Nope, the word is not for me yet. The word is, I, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. And then you go back to another scripture and what does it say? Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Yeah, I really don't want to do that right now because that means I have, that, there's a dying element to that. I have to de deny myself. I thought he needs to change. I need to deny myself and take up his cross and follow Jesus. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, this changes things for me. This is getting into the why I need to forgive someone. For what will it profit a man if I gain the whole world? What's it going to profit me if I just keep fixing this stuff in my life and I never consider what's going on in that monster's life? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? 
So I, again, I go back to this place, this monster that exists, and I open the door, and he's still, he's still a monster. I still can't take it. No, maybe I need more scripture in my life. And then I come to this one because I'm thinking, how many times am I going to deal with this? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. That's a lot of forgiveness in one single day. Anyone who's married know what, knows what this means right now. And let's break it down for the kids. Every kid has this thing that they enjoy, right? And for me, it was Lego blocks. I one time spent an entire summer with the four Lego kits that I had. Just little Lego kits, okay? Two months designing, imagining, every day. I, I just, I had this idea with the blocks that I had, I think I could build this thing. And I spent two months of a summer as a kid rebuilding this thing because I, like, there was this engineering part. I thought, I can actually like, make this thing move in a way that I don't have any plans for. And, and I just, every day I went to it, and I'm building and building. And I, and I built this set. I used every block I had to build this like, amazing Lego 1987 space thing that the manual was in my head, and I was so proud of it. And one day this family came over and it had been in my closet, the doors closed and the family came over and I walked into my room and this little four-year-old had dismantled the whole thing. And I'm in tears. And every kid has this thing that their brother or their sister or young friend ruined, right? And you're like, I am not forgetting him, mom. I am not forgetting her, dad. And you're like, it's not going to happen. I can't fix it. I'm just going to hate them. <laughs> right? That's, that's what you're thinking when you're so mad at your sibling. Like you can't escape them. You live in the same house. You're just going to be mad at them. But Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. This number is important. It indicates practice. Forgiveness isn't a feeling it's an action, and you are never going to be God and do it and be a one-and-done person. So there's this theme. It's nonsensical, it's illogical, but it's supernatural. Forgiveness doesn't make sense. Everything in like this evolutionary, the strongest win, go against the concept of forgiveness. So I want to say, say this. The anger, anxiety, hate, and fear, and I apologize for you people who can't see the screens because my massive laptop is blogging, you know? Anger, anxiety, hate, and fear, they do not sustain in the presence of a forgiving person. The most wonderful people that I've ever eaten a meal with or done a job with, in my reflection over the last two months, I realized they were a forgiving person. It wasn't just love. And Pastor Jamie's word last week 
if you didn't hear it, it goes right in line with what I'm speaking today. Like it was hands in hand. Okay, so I don't, I want you to not go back later and listen to this word. I want you to go back and listen to his message on love because it was step one and this is step two. This is how we transform our lives. His message on love cues right into this. The most wonderful people I've ever been with were forgiving people, just forgiving all of my anxiety gone when I sat with them. Some of you people are like that. Some of you people like my joy just rises when I'm with you because I know in my mind I'm engaging with a forgiving person. So I take this, I just did three verses that talk about forgiveness and it's through the whole New Testament. I take this And I work on the how because I, I'm learning the why, but I might not know the how do I forgive someone because it's very specific to that relationship. And that how comes out of a discipleship or an accountability partner that they talk you through how that looks like because, there's, because forgiveness is not like you just let people walk over you. It is specific to what that engagement is about. And in this case, I know what my how is, and I know what my why is. So I get to the point when this monster is no longer a monster, I just see that there's a lot of hot air here. <laughs> and I begin, to, I begin to think, I can help this. I know who you are. I value you. I, I want to let you know that I want to be reconciled with you in a way. I want, I, want to, I want to reconcile with you. And I was supposed to help him do that part. And I get to the point where my vision over this situation changes and the monster is removed and I realize this is my brother. This is my brother, right? This is my brother. And literally, this is my brother, okay? Thank you, Andrew. I, that is such like a whimsically funny moment that I may not have done perfectly but you know the concept that I'm talking about. Like you know, you know who that person is. That person exists in your life. Let's look at Mark 2, one through five. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even the door above him. And when they, am I reading this right? Uh, does anyone else copy and paste scriptures? And then you look at it later and you're like, Bible app, you let me down. <laughs> you rearranged everything. So now I'm going to read from here. I'm going to go to the end of it. 
When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. This is giving you a framework now of past the personal into the corporate. The church is gathered. He was preaching the word to them and they came bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let the, down the bed of, that the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, not the churches, those four people who brought in a paralytic man who couldn't move, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Remember when I made this phrase, a Christian without forgiveness is a Christian without agency. I want to pause that story and go real quick to these two scriptures. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So we have, we have what happened here, right? We have God loved the world and Jesus came to forgive. This is important as we, as we start to understand the why in the forgiveness mandate. Move on to the next verse. 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, Oh man, this is the part I was really having a hard time with. I really hated him. No, I was so good in church, but I hate that fool. <laughs> this part is like crazy convicting. A liar? For he who does not love his brother, whom he sees with his eyes, cannot love. God, I didn't even know I could do that. Okay. Uh, I just had like, I was like in the future. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Um, this is important because we're like, how can I ever forgive that person? Okay. Great starting question. The end goal is love with that person. Can you imagine loving someone that you don't forgive? Right? Okay, so this is why I think it's the greatest cover-up. We're talking about Jesus' love. And then we just get into this whole, like, fighting against acceptance. Forgiveness is different. And it has to happen. God loved the world, but the reconciliation had to come when Jesus came and showed what forgiveness looked like. So let's go back to Mark 2, 1 through 12, and read it again. Oh, I threw this in here. This is the point of those two verses. Stop repenting and start forgiving. The power is in forgiveness. Christ did not go around repenting. He went around healing and forgiving. And this is, this is our part. Oh, I'm not supposed to just be repenting of my sins all the time. No, that's like something you want and done do. Forgiveness takes practice and you're going to do it like 70 times, seven times over and over till it is the perfection of our faith. Yeah. 
Forgiveness is something that we go and it brings healing into every interaction that we walk into. In our job scenario where we have the worst boss, he will break down eventually when he realizes he can't get away from your forgiving nature. Stop repenting and start forgiving. This is like, this is the cover up. The devil literally for 2,000 years is like, yeah, but you're messing up. What are you going to do now? Yeah, but you're messing up. Oh, you're sinning again. What are you going to do now? And it's like, oh, we're just trying to keep like waxing, waxing the car over and over. Like it's never going to end. Never going to be done with this job. Repent and move on so that you can actually do what Jesus is asking you to do. The fulfillment of your faith comes through an empowered and forgiving nature. So let's look at this again. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Many were gathered together so that there was no more room. And he was preaching the word. This is so good. Like Jesus is preaching the word. The word is happening. And they came bringing him to a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let him down. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And then this is the fun part. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there listening to the things he had been teaching. And all of a sudden, their minds are blown. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, he said to them, why do you question these things? And he knew that they were questioning them in their hearts. This wasn't just a mind thing. This was like a, this was like a, you, who are you? To forgive someone else? That is for God alone. What was happening in the Old Testament is that forgiveness didn't exist the way it does now. Which is easier to say the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or go and be healed. They actually thought, no, your sins are forgiven once a year at this offering that we do. I mean, you can heal people all day long, but forgiving people, that's reserved for God. No, actually, you can just hate that man all year long. And then one day a year, you can be like, please forgive me. Which is easier, to say you're forgiven or to say rise and take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you now, rise and pick up your mat. So I'm going to move to this point, that a church without forgiveness is a church without agency. I want to transform that first part, a Christian without forgiveness, and go to this part, that the church without forgiveness is a church without agency. And now I'm going to talk about what is agency, the office or function of an agent, the relationship between a principal and that person's agent, the capacity, condition, or state of acting or exerting power. I, I sometimes don't like to use the word power and powerful because like, it's almost like cliched. But Jesus was powerful. He was fully God and fully man. And he walked in a power of forgiveness. 
read through the Bible again with these eyes. I want to see forgiveness for the power that it is. And you're going to see, oh, I may have been missing something in this whole like relationship with God. I'm reconciled. I repent of my sins. I may have, I may have missed a crucial part. And that's what I'm asking you today. Look at this, exerting power, a person or thing through which power is exerted or in achieve. Communication through the agency of an ambassador. This is a key word for us. That comes up later. An establishment engaged in doing business for another. For another. An administrative division as of government. Oh, as in, in the government of God. There's an agency there that we are ambassadors for. Therefore, if we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So how does it help people out in the world if you're just going and telling them that you're repenting of your sins? They have sins and they have wickedness and there's a forgiveness that rises up out of you in every way that you talk to that person. And this is huge for the church because we are living in a morally corrupt political environment that is completely distracting us, the church, from really what is supposed to be happening in our city. I'm going to give one example of what forgiveness in action looks like. It is not the be all end all. It is in regards to us as a church, like us corporately. Because there's this individual forgiveness that is brewing in me in a way that I'm realizing, oh, it's not just, it's not just actually forgiving someone when they wrong you. It's walking in it in such a way that it disarms people. I want to say thank you to those of you that have helped my parents in this season. It, it's in many different ways. Um, I, I want to I talk about the example of food. I've heard people like, I, I just, I don't even know what I can do for your dad. I just, I feel so bad for him. I'm, we're going to make a meal. And then these people over here make a meal and these people make a meal. And it's like, oh, you know what? It's good. You, like you see someone hurting in our church, in our church. And there's like, oh, you know what? There's this thing I can do. It's pretty easy. Uh, we can make it happen. And then like we take care of that person. So I thank you to the people that have provided meals. It is hard uh, going to the doctor every other day, getting shots full of medicine. Um, This is the personal part. You know, like that is good. People gather together a level of servitude to provide a meal. And I want to take it one step further to what forgiveness in the church looks like. Do you know that statistically, if every family in the church were to provide a meal to a foster family or in a family with adopted kids, that family could focus on taking care of the kids and never need to make their own meal for 365 days out of the year. How does that tie into forgiveness? Oh, it does. 
because it's not just like a, some act of service. It's going deep into what the church does with forgiveness in all of its manifestations. So I want to take a moment to honor some people. If you have adopted a child, if you have fostered a child, if you are currently in an adoption or foster scenario, I'd like you to stand up. If you were adopted, I would also ask you to stand up. If you have taken care of a child that is not yours, I want you to stand. These people that are standing have given probably 18, 25, 30 years of their life in an act of forgiveness for someone else's sexual sin. That is the power of the church. Our church is supposed to support people that do that kind of thing. That's forgiveness. Actually, if you would stay standing, if you can. I want to say thank you. And I want to say, I know there's moments where you've resented the action that you did, or you've resented the person that that adopted child turned out to be. I know that there's all kinds of warfare that happens when you take on the responsibility to care for the life of someone else that you never planned for. And whatever a man sows, he will reap. Jesus said, do not be mocked. Do not be deceived. God won't be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. So these people have sowed stories and a lifetime of forgiveness. And that is important. And I also want to say as an encouragement, do not let the joy of that act be taken away because it was hard. We believe in you and we love you. And what you're doing is important. It is important. Thank you so much. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. What I was doing earlier is I was seeing my brother in the flesh. And when I go back to the scripture again, I'm remembering like this is how, the how and the why. I don't regard him according to the flesh. Even though we were once regarded according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. As in, we don't make this part up. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the fun part. Like, you know what's exciting about hearing the phrase, do not be deceived, God won't be mocked, whatever man sows, he will reap. You know what's exciting about that? Is that you can be like, oh, if I sow forgiveness, people will forgive me. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. That's, there's such joy in that. There's such comfort in knowing I am giving of myself. I'm renewing my mind. I'm looking at people differently. And that's going to come back to me.
In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. I, I really kind of like, I didn't know how part of this would turn out and I wanted to water some of it down. But in the prophetic sense, there's this uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth. If he's president, America is doomed. To get to the point where you believe that lie is an indicator of where you are with forgiveness. God is looking at America and the churches, and he's like, guys, I gave you this answer 2,000 years ago. It's not that complicated. I want, to ask, um, I want to ask everyone to take that key. Hold it in your hand. This key represents only a person that you can forgive. It starts there. There's a level of practice. It is a practice. It is a chore. I mean, whenever is practicing something not a chore. but you get to get that back. I want to ask everyone to stand. Um, if you would, I invite you all to stand. I, I want you to hold your hand. I want the prayer partners um, and the ministry team to move up, the pastors and their wives. This is, a, this is what I want to move toward. I talked about the personal part and then there's the corporate part. There are people who have had, uh, yeah, pastors and wives um, and ministry partners, if you would come up. Um, there are people who have secrets, and you might be one of them. Actually, I'd almost say that everyone has a secret. There are people who wait 23 years before they're able to tell someone else they had an abortion because they just can't imagine what forgiveness looks like. There are men who raped someone and that's going to go with them to their grave because they can't imagine what forgiveness looks like. There are women who were raped or who were sexually molested or young men or older men and you can't imagine. You, you don't even tell anyone that that happened because you can't. You can't imagine what forgiveness looks like. So it's going to go with you to the grave. There are businessmen in here who have stolen hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it started with some really small acts of theft when they were a kid. Just white lies and theft. And they're never going to tell their family because they just can't imagine what forgiveness looks like. 
there are people who have wanted to commit suicide in this room. I'm not making any of these things up. There are people in this room that have wanted to commit suicide because of homosexual acts. And they're never going to tell anyone I was at the brink. I, I was almost going to do it because they couldn't imagine what forgiveness was going to look like. You know why? Because there's fear. The bride of Christ, clothed in glory, spotless and wrinkle-free, there is no fear with her. The fabric of her gown, woven in a pattern of forgiveness so that it has no wrinkle, there is no fear with her. There's a lot of fear in, in, in changing your mind on an issue. And I believe in impartation. Like I, sometimes you just have to go up and hug someone and say, there was a secret in my life 20 years ago and I'm not telling anyone, but I just need to know that I'm forgiven. Yeah. And some people have a person that they really just hate and they just need to go up and find someone who can be in agreement with them that forgiveness is possible. And I believe that that impartation is what Jesus practiced with his disciples over and over and over. So much to when a disciple asks him, how many times do I have to forget this fool that is also a disciple, Jesus? Seven times today? And Jesus is like, uh, no, 77 times. So this is what I want to, this is what I, wanna, I I implore you. You do not have to make known publicly some event or some person that you've held bitterness over. But there is an agreement that happens where two or more are gathered that will change your life and you can be free from the fear of forgiveness so that you can actually start taking the steps. And that is what I want to speak to this morning is just us taking the steps to get, oh wait, forgiveness isn't, it's not a petty thing and it's not just for me. Like this is this global church mandate that you are a part of. And you want to be a healthy, active member in the house doing it. Like, has anyone ever made an amazing meal, right? For four people, that goes well. Some people still burn the food, but you know what? Now imagine if you had to make that same meal for 300 people by yourself. It's not logistically possible. You need a bunch of people that don't even know exactly what to do, but to be willing and available to move around the kitchen so that the meal can be prepared for a wedding feast. It is not about you perfect all the time. It is about you being aware of who you're connected to and what we are doing together. So I implore you, that as we move into ministry time, that you take your key and you come up to someone and you strike hands with them or you get a hug. And if you're a woman, you go up to a woman. If you're a man, you go up to a man and you make something known in the spiritual realm that you are no longer a victim of what happened, but you are going to take the steps and see it. You're going to take the steps 
and see that the monster is this puny little thing. It's this. It doesn't even have a big roar. You've been hiding from this your whole life. Like, punt that thing away. Like, let's do this. Let's do forgiveness of life together. And watch what happens in Gainesville. Like, all the parts of the body of Christ coming together. Like, the Iron Man Hulkbuster suit, like, flying in. So that we can actually do something that no church can do by itself. No kid can go left hungry being abused in some broken system when there are believers all over Gainesville who are ready and available and have the space to do it. That is what Christ called us to do. He's empowered you and you and you and you. Remove the fear. Remove the lies. It is about walking in forgiveness. Go ahead and play the song. I wanna, I wanna ask you guys, this is our prayer ministry time. If some part of this has revealed to you something, I want you, like, seriously, just come out of your seats and do it. Just come out of your seats and agree with someone. Just come out of your seats. Like, take your key and be like, I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna be reserved in my heart anymore about this scenario. Like, I don't know the how, but I want someone to agree with me the why because I still don't believe that I, I'm supposed to forgive that person. This covenant is making me whole So I will rise and lift my head For by His mercy my life was spared The highest name has set me people in this room too that have wondered um, they don't know Jesus yet and I want to introduce you to him 
because in me talking, you've thought, I have never been able to forgive people. I don't know what's going on in my life. And I want to introduce you to Jesus. He is the author and finisher of a faith. And I want to invite you up here too. If you, if you have been wondering, um, deep inside there's this, there's this thing that is gnawing at you and you kind of hate everything about your life, I want to introduce you to Jesus. Because there's a salvation moment that you can have that's personal to you and that doesn't involve anyone else. And everyone else in this room has been through that. Like, don't be confused. Like, oh, everyone just kind of had this growing of a belief system as to what we're doing here. No, everyone starts at one place. And that's an acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. And so if that's you, I want to invite you up here. I'll talk with you um, or there's some other people as well. But this is a, a beautiful moment that actually a heart of unforgiveness can change in one prayer. In one prayer. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.